No, the way he introduced himself to me was in the car on the way to Minnesota when we first... <clears throat> God, I never tell these stories. When he started... um he, we were driving away from everything we knew and loved. I don't even remember what I said to piss him off, but we were driving and he was like, Bridget, you're nothing but a cold, heartless bitch. And I'm 12. And everyone in the car gets quiet and we're kind of looking at my mom like, are you gonna say anything, mom? And she didn't. She just sat there and like looked straight ahead. And I remember that moment so clearly because I knew I was fucked. <laughs> Bridget Fetisi managed to escape the dysfunctional relationship of her mother and her stepfather, only to find herself in another dysfunctional relationship with a mother and a father. I'm David Taylor, and this is Until I Lose Interest. Bridget Fetisi, how are you doing? I'm good. Very exciting to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. You write a column for Playboy? Playboy.com. Okay. I was not aware that still existed. Most people are not. Do you get what sort of readership do you get? Um I don't mean what sort. Obviously you get the sort of people that are both still com- barely computer literate, but old enough to still value Playboy. You'd be surprised. How many people is that? Online, you mean? Yeah. It's actually they get the young male demographic, the like twenty to forty now. And um, it's a lot of people. I mean, my column gets anywhere from at the low end, 10,000 to 50,000 probably reads within the first couple days. That number astonishes me. No, it's very busy. Ever since they made Playboy.com suitable for work, they dropped the average age by like 20 years and quadrupled their traffic. I could see that. Okay, now your column is mostly about... Sex and relationships. Are all of the columns about sex and relationships? Or are you the only one writing for Playboy about sex and relationships? No, they have Justin Lee Miller. He does like all of the science stuff, um, the science related sex stuff. Uh, there's another, um, no, uh, there's a lot of other sex related stuff on Playboy other than what I'm writing. But okay. mine is specifically Just the Tips, is the name of the column. And it's okay. supposed to be um, informative. In some manner. <laughs> it sounds like a column you came up with after you came up with the name. No, they already like, had the name. Like the wall. Exactly. So I'm saying name first, column second. The way that Wahlburgers was clearly written <laughs> was a restaurant designed after <laughs> they came up with the pun. They just brought me in in January. Okay. So, so other people have written. happy to be so here. So just the tips was written by somebody else before you? Um, I think there was somebody who was doing it, um, and they had a different format. They were doing the question and answer. And so yours is less Q and A and more confessional stories. Confessional, or it will will it just depends. It can be confessional, or it can be um, a topic that I'll just start interviewing people about and do research on. For instance, like the recent butt stuff pieces. Uh, the male butt stuff and the female I butt stuff. I have a stuff. friend, my friend insists, and I believe him, that he invented the term butt stuff. Really? He wrote for The Daily Show. Okay. So it may be true. That might be true. Because yes. I was trying to find out where the, you know, the etymology of the term butt Chris stuff. Chris Regan. Chris Regan, who wrote for The Daily He's Show. He's on... On Twitter. Yeah. I wrote no, but isn't he on um, Family Guy now? Yes, he is on so Family I Guy So I waited now. on him. Really? I worked with him on Jezelnik. He is convinced, and I believe it, because he's not somebody prone to 
because that's the sort no, of, he's super humble. That's like a boast that Doctor Evil's father would. Yeah, give. yeah. So I believe, I believe that actually. Yeah. So if you want to know the etymology, he was getting his car done, and I waited on him at the restaurant I was working at, and we've been buddies, <laughs> Twitter buddies, ever since. And in the case of Chris Regan, I would not ordinarily I'd say that's like a creepy thing, right? But Chris Regan is like a good dude. No, he's the nicest person. And you certainly have had creepy dudes find their way into your life. Oh yes. But in the case of Chris Regan, you might have just met a really nice no guy he was so nice he just seemed like a very normal humble yeah not i would have would not have guessed that he was like in the industry even <laughs> yes that's and that's the nicest thing you can say <laughs> really good comedy writer but yes it's sort of surprising so let's get down to brass tacks the column i remember uh reading of yours was the one about you being in a marriage Yes. And you were the third person Mm -hmm. in the marriage on some fucking ridiculous farm in Mm -hmm. upstate nowhere. I don't know. Where was it? Portland? Yeah, somewhere in like northern. Yeah, the northwest. Okay. It's all that. Everything north of San Francisco to me is just one long bike trail. (laughs) It's just the just it's more than a bike trail, though. There's a lot going on up there. Apparently. Yes. So you they've got like you should see Humboldt. It's nuts. They've got guns and dogs, and it's pretty gnarly. It just seems like no black person has ever made his way north of, <laughs> of Oakland. That that's that's as far as they were allowed to go. That's like black Canadian border. I feel like even today, because I when I drive up there all the time, and I always stop in Reading, and when after that whole thing with Trump today, where he was talking about how he's you know my African American friend, I was like, yeah. "There's an African American in Reading? <laughs> I've never seen one. It's just white trash for miles." Yeah, exactly. White trash for miles is the Northern California <laughs> state motto. Everything south is Eureka, and up north is like white trash yeah, for days. It's crazy. So you, uh, how did you get into a three way marriage? It was very organic, like everything, everything in the hippie, in the yeah, yeah, in the Northwest. Um, I went, uh, so it's kind of a long story. My, we'll backtrack to how I ended up there. My friend died last August of okay. leukemia. I was there when he died. It was very, he did not go gently. The nurses lied to me and told me that like when they put you on the morphine drip that he's not going to wake up. Not true. He did. My dad, when he was dying of cancer, did a lot of grasping at imaginary things. Yeah. They call it active dying. Yeah. Yeah. This was a very active death. It was a lot of. Ah, yes. Exactly. Ah, he was doing exactly that. You're making ah. like a it's like watching an insect. It's really weird, too, because, yes, there's a lot of like gasping for air and grabbing at imaginary things. And I guess it's just the body, like, fighting. It's yeah. it's not, they're like, oh, he's not there. In movies, people are very calm and yeah, peaceful. And they, they like whisper that. last words. <laughs> and then they say goodbye. But in, yeah, in real life, it looks like they're trying to claw their way out of something that they're never going to get no, out of. No, it was horrifying. So I had to send, his son was there. I had to send him out of the room. How old was the friend? Um, 63. Not old, but not young. How do you have a 63-year-old friend? So... He was my mentor when I first moved to LA when I was 20. He was one of these, I was dating a man who was 20 years older than me. Yeah. They were all part of this artist, like Disney, Pixar, brilliant genius community of people who did things like, um, they were all in like characters. Well, no, they were like character design, you know, just from all over the world, France and Egypt. And they kind of all met working on the Prince of Egypt together. And 
So he, I would have, I called it Tuesdays with Henny. So every Tuesday I would go and we would talk about like whatever he would, I was like, what's how, what's up with Israel? And, and he would explain things to me. And that was when I was very new to LA. I was like 20 years old. Um, and then we stayed friends. In fact, I saw him when I was in Egypt. And so, and then he comes back and forth between here and Egypt. And we've just been friends for almost 20 years, I guess. Then he got leukemia. He got leukemia. And then he came to get treated here and was in Burbank at the Providence St. Joseph. And he was always like, if Disney died here, it's good enough for me. But another way to look at that is (laughs) if Disney can't live here. I'm gonna die. Yeah. I'm probably not gonna make it. So he didn't. And I had just um I got back from that and I was supposed to waitress that weekend and I was like, I can't fucking deal with people bitching about their fries after I watched <laughs> for It's a real downer. Yeah, yeah. And it's like just no per- lack of there's a very large gap yeah. between that perspective. And I was like, I need a break. And I screamed up to the heavens. And as I said that, I walked around the corner into my kitchen and broke my toe. And so I couldn't waitress anymore because I literally got a break. And my friend that same day was like, hey, we got work up north. And we met at Coachella, that friend. We'll call him. We'll call him. You're not very good at fake names. No, I don't know. I worry that you ever have a child. (laughs) Because you can't come up with like Bob or something. <laughs> Seriously, just think of the well, first fucking just, name and go with it. I was just thinking of like C- Crown because I just, it's always like details. I, names are, they get too confusing. Then we're going to call him Bob. Okay, we'll call him Bob. You and Bob <laughs> decided to go north. I mean, you read that piece. I called him Jack and Jill. I'm not that original. Yeah. We um, decide. well, no, I decided to go north. Yes. Okay. And then we went to one place and on that place there it was uh there was a couple as well um living there and were you and bob together we were not together we met at coachella probably four years ago and it was when i was still drinking and smoking and doing lots of drugs and we were hanging out and then (laughs) on the last night of coachella we were walking and he had he, I looked at him. I was like, I am fucking rolling. And then I just went down and VIP. And he had to ditch all of his drugs because he was like, oh, great. This fucking girl is going to die. And I came to and there were like four cops standing around me. And they're like, are you, you know, what day is it? And I was like, Sunday. And did then, he stick around with you, though? Yeah, he did. That's real, real drug loyalty. I know it was considering he should have just run. Yeah. Or walked. Just, or just yeah, walked away. Walked away so whistling stuck around with his t- hands in his pocket. That was four years previous. Four, Yeah, three or four. Surely you guys had been sort of dating if you get at the point here. You had sex a little, right? No. Uh-huh. You never hooked up with We them. had never hooked up. We hooked up on the farm. Okay, so you did travel north, and then eventually, after four years of friendship, you get to the farm. And we hooked up. That's just start, what you do on the farms. I don't know how farms work. You have a lot I of sex. I went to college for science. Oh, yeah. well, aren't you, yeah. here we, we are in a basement a, we didn't have <laughs> together. A lot of sex. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying that we didn't all make bad decisions, <laughs> but I don't know how farms work. So you end up at a farm. It's and you just end up having, a lot of hippies and sex. So you end up having a lot of sex with this dude. A, a reasonable amount. I mean, not. A, I wouldn't call it a lot. Is he into you or are you into him? We were both into each other, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, it was it's mutual. We're still friends. And so you're you're hooking up with this guy, and then but then one day, I was in the kitchen, and this girl who kind of worked for all of us was like talking about the couple, and she's like, "You're they're in an open marriage, you know." And I was like, "Don't fucking tell me that." What couple? Talking about the couple. The you say couple. the couple is though we know this couple. The couple. We'll call them Jack and Jill. The okay. couple that I was in the. That I ended up having Look, the relationship. I get where it's going. My point is, let's set the scene here. This couple, how did you meet them? What is, what's their story? You're with this guy. You're having sex with Bob. You're 100% fucking Bob, but you notice another couple. What's, they were undeniably noticeable. Why? Because the man was the most amazing male species I've ever seen in my life. How so? He was just incredible. He's good looking. He's... I felt like I could, like if the shit hit the fan, I would be okay. He was like... What was it about him? Was what specific everything. detail? Brilliant mind, brilliant, like could, had lots of weapons, could throw knives and... Because I'll say this. What, lots of martial arts, yeah. The good details dad. you're giving are interesting because they say so much about you. Because every woman has a different example of what I, I, it means for her to be safe. And yeah. apparently yours is a lot like what a teenage boy would describe <laughs> double dragon like it's actually to so true oh like totally cool like knows karate and has like nunchucks so it's you're describing true. this incredible like, man and what do you so okay like he knows karate and he has guns <laughs> which says a lot about you it says to me that you don't feel safe a lot of the time if your version of like what a man is it's somebody who makes you feel safe with weapons I just want to feel safe with a man anywhere. If I'm with a man, I want to feel like he can defend You're me. Missing my, exactly. That's my point. Most people wouldn't think of safety in terms of needing a gun. A lot of women see safety in terms of emotional terms. For example, when a woman says to me, you don't make me feel safe, it's because I'm very good at making her feel bad about herself, not because she thinks I'm going to stab her. Right. But yours is a little more primal. Right. Probably says something about your upbringing, I would say. Well, that, and also I think that I think a lot about the apocalypse probably all day, every day. Possibly, but that might say <laughs> something, about, something about your upbringing as well. Well, yeah, it was very unstable. There we go. So this guy, obviously, was like the antidote slash furthering of your bad upbringing. This guy is like clearly bad news, but you're really into it. Yeah, he, he I wouldn't say bad news. He's pretty stable. I mean... Okay, we're heading to a place where he has two wives. So <laughs> that just, felt really normal to me. <laughs> sure it did. Again, your upbringing. So you have this guy. Okay, so you... you Not just, because of my... Just because... So everyone wants to just say this. it's psychology, but I think there's a lot more to it than just that. Yes, there is psychology at play, but it also felt on a very primal level like we did this for hundreds of thousands of years and only in the past, like, what, 2,000 was monogamy a thing? So your argument is that I am less evolved, therefore I'm more honest. No. my It's not an argument. My I'm just saying that I don't think that it's only psychology. Okay, fine. So you meet this guy, and this guy is the one. He's the man. He's, he's the one. He's really smart, and he's got guns. <laughs> so if shit goes down, he can shoot you. So you meet this guy and then, but he's with a wife. So you're like, mm, I'm not going to do it. Now, have you been with a married guy before? Yes. So what were you, did you think maybe, did you hold out as a possibility? Like maybe I'll have sex with him at some point in the future? No, because the, it's different. Too close because it's yeah, close exactly. quarters exactly. on the farm. Yeah, exactly. And here besides you have Bob and obviously you guys have really hit it off. So what's the wife like? 
she is for every way that he's dominant she's submissive they were just like completely she, it's opposites. like she's the yang to his ying yeah she is or the yen actually yen, whatever yes because that's the female oh, right. um, okay um, so so he is very she was very domestic and very in the garden i mean it was like they were both archetypes when you're talking about her i picture lutes like like playing like flowers she's picking flowers she and was we very hear music. very cute like that she pretty yeah very how pretty. old are they they're like my age how old is that at this point 37 so they're in their late 40. 30s how mm-hmm. long have they been married they were high school sweethearts they've been together for like 20 years did they have any children mm-hmm. how old are the children let's just say they're over 10 <laughs> are they grown up no they're like teens so they know what's going on. Oh, yeah. They're living with their parents mm, on yep. the farm. They're on living with their parents on the farm. Yep. Yep. Okay. So this is the couple. You see them. They're like the golden couple of this fucking farm. Mm-hmm. They're the most. They're the the prom king and queen of whatever the fuck farm it is. So somebody comes up to you and they say, did you know that the king and the queen will let some other people into the court? Mm-hmm. And you say, don't fucking tell me that because. Because it was so compelling. I don't know the whole situation. Well, why would you not want to be a part of that? There is no reason I would so not. So why would you say, don't tell me that? Um, because of, of Bob, first of all. That's an, an awkward situation. It is an awkward situation. Now, did okay, so, so they tell you that. You're not sure. You're wary. It was like, too, well, because he Bob came and went. So he I would be there, and then he would come and go. Oh, how often did he come and go? Just depended, but he was there for three days, and then he'd be gone for like two or three days. So there we go. Okay. in that time, they were like, come down and hang out with us. Okay. And, and then you're just all around each other constantly because it's drugs. like a, no, I don't do drugs. So at that point you're sober. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What Which are they was, using? Um, not drugs really. Like maybe maybe smoke. But some you're weed. newly sober, so this might affect your like. I mean, relatively newly. Okay. I think I had about almost two years at that That's point. Not super newly. No. That's fine. Yeah. It's not super new, but it, yeah, it's a it's probably a dangerous so situation. Bob goes away. Mm-hmm. And then how did they broach the subject with you? They was never broached. It was one of those things where basically Bob's role was finished and then Bob left and I just stayed. Okay. And that was awkward. You're being very vague here. I don't understand what you mean. Had they, had you already started to date these people when Bob's role? No. How did Bob's there role finish? There was like finish? this two week. Well, so Bob was done with working on that. He was done with his work there. And then... He left. <laughs> Why did he leave? Because he was done with his work. Okay, you're sounding very guilty. No. You're, you're, you know what you're like? It's like talking to a child <laughs> that has eaten the candy, but doesn't want to admit she's eaten the candy. And she's saying to me, I don't know who ate the candy. Meanwhile, you have chocolate smears all over your face. Why did Bob leave? He liked you. He enjoyed being around you. He just took off. Well, I was supposed to leave with him. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> But you didn't. Was he surprised by that? <laughs> um, you stayed for this couple. Yeah. So obviously they had broached the subject before Bob decided no, to No, it was just like, hey, why don't you help me with like 20 loads of laundry? 
You're, I, this is the problem. I mean, this narrative is very, very vague to me. Okay, it, I want you to talk it me through. It has to be. It. I can't. I can't get into like lots of specific details. Well, okay, let's try to be so, as specific as we can. This couple. They it, were like, "Hey, why don't you stay?" Because she was buried in domestic okay, stuff. Okay, so they did ask you to stay. Right. And they, at that point, it was not a sexual overture. No. No, but you thought it definitely could go in that direction. Well, we had had there's there was like a lot of flirtation, yeah. So you, what you're telling me is that you left Bob. You said Bob, you can go. I got to <laughs> stay and do other people's laundry. Uh-huh. So I'm going to assume Bob wasn't pleased by that because I would be a little unhappy if somebody dumped me to do chores. <laughs> I mean, I think he kind of knew what was going on, or at least saw. I was not the first one that this, you know, this is like, it wasn't like, oh, you're the first one that's in this marriage. This is like, I'm like the fifth or sixth person. So Bob had seen people come and go, and he's like, yeah, yeah. looks like Bridget is about to go off with Jack and Jill. Was he unhappy? I think probably. I mean, we didn't owe each other. You think Probably. We didn't, we left didn't on good say, terms. It was awkward, but it was still like we were friendly. We're still friendly to this day. You never until talked about after it. this podcast. You never talked about it. No, we've never talked about it. But you could truly, you knew him pretty well. You can guess how he felt. Look, the way you're acting implies to me that he was unhappy. I think he probably was not pleased. Okay. Did he say anything or just kind of? No, just, but then he was like texting me t- two months later and he was like, oh, we could have been in Sri Lanka, you know, like. Gotcha. Yeah. That's not a man who's pleased. Yeah. No. Um, so and, you, you decide to stay. Bob goes by the wayside. Bob is gone. And I stayed. And then one night I was sitting on the couch watching movies and they went to bed and they were like you know, you can come up into our bed if you want. And I sat down there for an hour thinking about it. Had you ever been in a three-way before that? I Oh, yeah, many. Guy, guy, girl, guy. No guy, guy, not into that. Um, girl, girl. Too many balls close together. Yeah. Um, lots of girl, girl, girl. I used to seduce couples a lot. It was kind of like my thing and and there was a period of time as though that doesn't have a heavy psychological suggestion (laughs) element i mean yeah somebody really wants a family no you don't seduce a married couple unless you're not married couples they weren't married it was always like a guy that i was totally different it is a guy you were what well it was usually like a guy where we would have some kind of flirtation and we couldn't just outright bang and so then it was like well Maybe I can have a threesome with them. How many times did you do that? Maybe three. That's a lot of times. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine a world where I'm flirting with a girl and I'm like, okay, we can't have sex, but we can totally do it if your boyfriend's around. It just seems very odd. Would you ever date the guys after after the three-way? No, because they'd so stay with their girlfriend. You ever hook up with the girls after the three-way? Yes. That happens a lot from what I've told. So you, you would end up flirting with the guy and hooking up with the girl. Yes. And even in this situation with Jack and Jill, I was initially very attracted to him, but I fell in love with her. And like she and I are still, I think um, Bob told Jack about the column and I've never heard from him again. <laughs> really? Did you, were you hearing from him before? Yeah, we were, we were. I mean, I had an open invitation. We were in constant communication. I could be up there right now if I wanted to and come and go as I please, but... Then I decided to write about it and... Okay, so you you spent your... Okay, back to the, the place. It's an hour? 
You spent an hour downstairs. Maybe there was something good on TV. No, I just was really deciding because I felt like it was taking the red pill. Like I or the blue. Which pill is it? I don't remember, but I see what you're saying. Okay, I think it's the red pill. But it was like I knew my reality wouldn't be the same. I just knew something would change for some reason. And it did. Yeah, once you get married, everything changes. Not married. Well, you're right. You're getting a serious relationship with two other people. So you go upstairs. How do things change once you start dating a couple? Um. Well, one, it's really weird being inside someone else's marriage. <laughs> How so? Because you see all of the toxic patterns, if they exist, or whatever kind of dynamic. And then you upset the balance. Like, I could see that he was a bully to her a lot and um so then I would defend her but then he would get angry because he felt like we were ganging up on him and then he would lash out at me passive aggressively so um and then sometimes she would get jealous in a weird way if she So when you say you were married to this couple sometimes you I didn't ju- say I was married So you were married with this couple you were yeah. the, the second part sometimes you would just have sex with him Yep. Sometimes you would just have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the three of you. Uh-huh. Give me the percentage breakdown here. If this is a pie chart. Like 80, I would say like 75, 15, 10. So 75 sex with him. No, with both of them. Okay. 15, like we slept together every, pretty much every night. Really? Mm-hmm. It's 15%. With just him. Maybe not even. Probably like 10 and 10. It was probably equal alone Would he time get jealous when you had sex with her? No. But she would get jealous when you had sex with him. No, she would get like it was always it really only happened like once or twice where she would just say something like if I was enough, like it, it was just like I was like, oh, so it sounds as though she wasn't super thrilled with this arrangement. Well, when I started talking to her about it after so I was there for a, I came and went once this started happening after Bob left couple then we start the first week it was very awkward it was like oh really yeah i didn't think it would be i kind of thought it was you didn't think it'd be awkward to be in somebody else's marriage Mm, no because they'd done it before they seemed like i okay here's the thing most people who have open marriages and relationships they have a lot of communication about that they have rules they have there's there's a lot of communication in this situation i was like do you, like i was asking all the questions what's okay can i sleep with him when you're not around you, are you okay with him fucking me what and it was like uh, i don't know like they'd never ever had a conversation about it so that is very that was surprising to me because normally, in my experience of people who are in open relationships, there is a lot of talking about that. Had you been in open relationships, I assume? Um, I've been with people who have are poly and have open relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, so what did you learn about your own relationships in this marriage, or rather in this relationship, in this three-way relationship? About my own relationships? Yeah. You said you learned some about relationships. What did you learn about your own? Um... Well, one of the interesting things was I was like, this might be the only way marriage works for me. I kind of want a second wife. <laughs> you want a second wife? What, to, to share the laundry load or the sexual yeah, load? Yeah, all what? of it. All the load. All of it. Because there was something the sisterhood she and I had was amazing. That was I felt really close to her in a way that I haven't felt with maybe even a man ever. I felt like I could be, I could. Does it? occur to you that maybe you just want to be married to a woman 
No, because I love getting fucked by a man. Okay. And that's all I really want from a man. That and protection. So you just want the dick and the gun. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that's what I, I learned. I can only imagine what your sexual history would be like with these two prerogatives. I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> it's not that wacky. I mean. No, it's not. It's just very, how can I put this? Very uh, basic. You can see how this, would be, it becomes like a reductio ad absurdum proof about what a woman was looking for a man. So you, you like emotionally being with women, but you like the dick and the gun of a man. <laughs> Yeah. I like feeling like I'm I I do like the aspect of somebody who can I mean he could there there was something very primal about the whole scene, you know, like the whole environment where it was like very self-reliant. We grew food and every everything was like Where did you grow up? Um I moved every year and a half. So you never felt stable at a home. No, God, no. Why did you move a year and a half? Military? Um, my dad might have been a spy. We're not sure. Usually spies stay in one place. No, uh-uh, not true. Where did you live? Um, New York, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minneapolis. Why would a Lettier. spy need to live in Minnesota? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's why does why do you, a spy well, need to live anywhere? Why do you he was in Russia was, two weeks out of every month. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why you think he was a spy. Yeah. Do you know? Did you ever talk to him about it? I have, but he's he's very good at talking and sorry, <laughs> it's kind of like me. He's very good at talking in circles and not really answering any questions. Got it. <laughs> so you end up in a three way relationship. Now, what did you dislike about it? Um, I l- really felt. Um, there was not very much affection, which I didn't. What sort? What do you mean by affection? Like, I wanted more affection from both of them, but the affection seemed to be reserved for each other, which I understand. So you felt like you were kind of on the outside looking in. Yeah, I definitely was. Because I, I mean, you I were, was. You know, yeah, you were like, you know, you're the day player. Yeah. And it was their show. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't feel like they gave a shit about my... It was always like me wat- making sure that he was okay, me making sure that she was comfortable, but nobody ever stopped to be like, hey, how are you doing, Bridge? You were, you were the help. Yeah. Yeah, I was the help. How long were you... So after a while, that would really start to affect your self-image. Well, so the first week was awkward, but then we got through that. I left. I came back. The second week was amazing. Um, lots of sex, super fun, super connected, lots of communication. And then I left. And then a lot of it, I think it has to honestly do with like where we were in our cycles, me and the woman. Didn't you sync up? We did. Um, kind of like we were a few days off, but yeah. So the third time she was like coming out of hers and I was going, and so it was like already that I felt like there was something weird and then. Um, I was being really antagonistic to him. Like I just kept pushing his button because he lives in this kind of kingdom where he's unquestioned. There's no, he's the only authority. And I, of course, was like pushing that button and he would just say things that were ridiculous. And I was like, you guys all just like listen to this. Not even fucking true. Did he beat the shit out of you? 
No, no. Okay, when you say it like that, it seems like he might have. No, no, no. He didn't beat the shit out of me, but it was like passive aggressive stuff. Like we were all supposed to go to this event for one of the kids, and then he, he, his wife was like, "Oh, um, we're all going to dinner, and then we're going, and you can just stay here." So it was like just he would just exclude me from. From and things. You didn't blame her for that. You blamed him for that. No, because she, I think, seriously, like, is the. By the end of it, I was like, yeah, this doesn't seem like a healthy relationship. Um, not just for me, but even between the two of them. I worry about her. Even not worry like he's beating or anything, but I feel like she, um, he's, he's, he's dominant. And Which is what, you know what? Your three-way marriage is a lot like so many marriages. What <laughs> drew you in is what pushed you out. Yeah, it is. And he's he can be intolerant and like a bit of a tyrant. And I would push that button and then he would kind of push back. And Do you find that your two-way relationships have this similar dynamic where you look for people that have the dick and the gun and then you scream at them for power over the gun? Hmm... I feel like I vacillate as we all do between what two poles between young guy with a big dick and not much to offer. Um, like emotionally, I don't have any expectations other than young guy with a big dick and rich guy with more like stability, emotional stability, old guy, older. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the two poles you go back and forth, <laughs> and then this guy was kind of like an outlier in all indication, all senses. He wasn't really young, no, or rich, nope. He was just kind of a third way, yeah. So you end up fighting with him for control over the relationship, I guess, in some well, sense. Well, I just didn't because I, what you're describing it's interesting when you say young guy with big dick it's bridget is in power and when you say old rich guy it's bridget is not in power mm-hmm. you vacillate between poles of power dominance right so in this relationship it sounds like you kind of did both too first you were very happy to not have power and then after a week or two you're like you know what fuck you <laughs> and it was interesting because i vacillated between those exact dynamics Within their relationship, like she had very little power and he had a lot of power. And I felt like I have just enough masculine in me and just enough feminine that I was like a nice. There was a nice balance that occurred with the three of us. You were the third sex. (laughs) Yeah. So it lasted for a month. The German neuter. What did the uh, the kids think about this? Because I can tell you, if my parents brought in a, a third, they wife, were, I would be horrified. Yeah, they. I by my, the time I came around, they were used to it. So, so, did you ever talk to any of the previous wives? No, the previous third girlfriends. Mm-mm, so, no. would they just leave the farm after? They yeah, something would happen. Generally, were, yeah. What were they all like? You were they a type? What type? No, no. What were they like? None of them were sober. I know that. I know it was weird for them that I was sober. Like, that was very weird. It sounds as though they enjoyed controlling. If you are always around people that are using, that's obviously people who you can bend to your will. Yeah. 
And I was very present. So that was weird yeah. for them. Like just me being like dead sober in the middle of that, <laughs> all of that craziness. It is kind of a weird thing to do sober. Yeah, it was very weird. Very, very, very weird. That's why I sat downstairs and thought about it for an hour because I knew it was going to like affect something and it had to. Um, so it lasted for a month. Like six weeks. Six weeks. Mm-hmm. What pushed you out? That whole thing with the family, like the when he started excluding me and just feeling like um, my needs weren't even not even it wasn't even that they were being met. They weren't even being considered. And like you said, I have enough uh, fucked up history with um, messed up dynamics. And what does that mean exactly? Like my own. My own, like you said, my own psychology, just from from things that have happened in my life that I've had to do work on that I know that that... This is very vague. I realize that. I'm just saying there have been situations in my life that have mirrored that kind of dynamic and I'm... What kind I, of dynamic? The dynamic of being the third wheel being or being the, the one that, yeah, I guess being the the outsider looking in always like the new kid what do you mean by that so you're saying because you're always moving in you felt like new or just in your own life like in your relationships what do you mean by the outsider looking in i just always was always i was nobody knew my name i was the new girl that that was my name for most of my upbringing did you how did you respond to that did you develop charming mechanisms like Mm. actors or did you become the goth girl who cut herself no i learned how to party i just kind of adopted a party girl persona that that just i could fit in anywhere and any i realized that it was much easier to just be a party girl than to like get straight a's and have to just be tortured for being whatever the new girl and 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 or what whatever so i just and i also realized that wherever you went no matter what school you were in, there was always a crew of people who were just drugs, partying. Drugs are the lingua franca of teenagers. <laughs> yes, they are. So you could always make friends quickly. Yeah. and Drugs and sex or just drugs? Drugs. I didn't sleep with anyone. I had sex with, actually, I lost my virginity to my manager at a restaurant when I, he was like 32 and I was 17. But I, I mean, all of my friends had already had sex, even the ones who were in, you know, high school relationships. What was it about the manager? I don't Did he know. Have a gun? No, he just had, I just like was so enamored with this guy and looking at how many years I've spent in the fucking restaurant industry, I can understand why now. But he, I just thought he was like the coolest person. He used to like sit after work and have a drink and, and it was his uncle's place and he was a manager and, and the head waiter and I was 15 and I was so just like... But you told me you lost it at 17. Yeah, but I worked there for two years before. So took, did he work on you for two years? I worked on him for two years. Was he, he married? No, he was divorced. Okay. He had a kid. And mm-hmm. then you finally got him. How long did you guys date? It was a while actually. Really? Yeah, it was like on and off. I mean, not on and off. We were. You we, seem to have a type, which is. I don't know that I have a type. What you describe as bad authority figures. <laughs> I, I started raising myself at twelve, and I did a very poor job. Well, now was your your parents were divorced? Mm-hmm. What was your was your mom just not around, or was she? 
What was she doing? She was taking care of my stepdad. What does that mean? He was a lot of person to handle. My stepdad was, he, so my parents got divorced and we moved. And then that was when I was like 12. They got separated. They were, my mom got remarried like almost immediately. Um, They hadn't known each other. They just met and they had one of these like crazy, like instant. How did they meet? Um, in a gro- he, I was there the day he like stalked us around the grocery store. Um, they met like it was a small town we were living in, and he was just in town, and they saw each other, and then they went on a date. And after their first date, she came home. I'm 12, mind you. My parents just got divorced, and she's like, "Oh, I'm like, how was the date, mom? Because I used to help her get ready." And she's like, "Oh, it was so good. It went really well until I got jealous about a picture of his girlfriend, and he burned all of his pictures on his front lawn." I'm like, "I'm 12." But I feel like that's a big red flag, Mom. <laughs> like, he burned all of his childhood pictures, everything. Burned it on his front lawn. And they're like, date number two. And she interpreted that as? I love you. Like, I love you. And it was off to the races after that. Fuck. I mean, my, my childhood was... Um, he was just not... N- not stable. So it turns out that he's bipolar. And what? I, no. Are you sure? <laughs> it doesn't sound like I it. I know. And um, he was kind of in and out of mental institutions. We would come home and he would threaten to kill us with guns. And Okay, so... <laughs> Yeah, I wonder why you you yearn for the safety of a of another gun owner. I can't even begin to to unpack that. Oh no, no, it must be primordial. Uh, so well, he would threaten too. you with guns. Would he pull the gun out and wave them at well, you? Well, he would like lock himself in a room upstairs and threaten to kill my mom or threaten to kill himself. There was there's a big like constant. The classics, to it. yeah. Yeah, the classics. At any point, did your mother think maybe we should get rid of the death sticks? Mm, she would always try and sell them. There's this other creepy guy that she was always selling them to, but then he'd always got a new one. And then he was kind of hitting on my mom and kind of hitting on me too in high school. And then they had to like get rid of that guy. Oh, the, the gun guy? Yeah. Well, he sounds like your type. <laughs> I don't know why that didn't work out. Older and a gun owner? No, I should have run away with the them. marriage, yeah. My, my biggest regret is that I didn't run away. Well, maybe you just didn't have another wife. So, so you, it was, it was, um, and like we, I never really knew what I was coming home to. It was always, it, someday I would come home and it's like, we're moving to Alaska or we're moving to Hawaii or he's gone and we don't know where he is and if he's dead or alive. And then he would disappear for three days at a time and then he'd come back and then he would be in a mental institution. And, um, and we were always missing school to take care of my mom. And it was always like, hey, here, here's a note, you know, and the teachers would be like, they knew something was up. Like my sister and I were really fucking skinny. We missed tons of school. You were taking care of your mother? Yeah. Because? She just needed emotional, I don't know. That's just what she wanted from us, I guess. Because it sounds like you need to take care of the dad, but I guess the fact that she liked the dad and the stepdad implies that there was something part of her that needed being taken care of too. Well, yeah, she would be like a mess on the freaking floor and my stepdad would be AWOL and we wouldn't know where he was and we would have to like take care of her. How old is your sister at this point? Is She's she three older? years younger than me. Okay, I'm the so oldest you, of five. So you had to take care of everybody. Yeah. 
And so we would go to school and like they would always be like, you guys must have the cleanest teeth in all of, of town because they knew that like we'd have these notes. It was like, oh, another dentist appointment. And we'd be like, yeah, whatever. But we were always exhausted. I mean, I look at pictures of and us from then and it's like, oof. you're always and you're always moving around every year that at that point they were pretty much in one place and that was the longest I had ever been at a school from my sophomore year I was there my sophomore year and my junior year and then I left at the I left and moved in with my dad my senior year and then ended up coming back because my mom and my sister were like we need you so you were a drug addict and also the only responsible person in your family I didn't start doing heavy drugs until I was 17 but you okay so but you were still the party girl you just yeah weren't. I drank a lot and I smoked a lot of weed but I was always I mean this is something that I guess I've had to it's funny my shrink and I were just talking about this today when you're the in the the position that I was in even when I was partying I was the one taking care of the girls who were puking and I was always like the responsible partier um so I never really let myself get it's like why I didn't like doing psychedelics that much because I didn't like being the shit was always hitting the fan that I couldn't be like shrooming and be like have to deal with some fucking crisis so I always I was always like I never was like a wild out of control party it was like controlled partying so you were trying to keep control so basically you were putting out fires in your mother's marriage and then you end up later putting them out in two other. I mean, you basically it's interesting that you went into a, a similar, not exactly a child role, but. Yeah, it's definitely I mean, that was towards the end of that whole situation. When you ask, you know, why did you get out? It was because it was triggering like so much shit from my childhood that I was like, I'm going to start using again or drinking again or whatever. I'm, I felt like I was in a dangerous psychological position and like you said it erodes in my own sense of self-worth being in that position if you're at a job just a job where people treat you like you are dumb or incompetent that affects your fucking self-image right being in a marriage where people treat you like you're not important can, right right i can only imagine what that would do. it was like being it was bad enough being rejected you know it's i've been in uh i have had a lot of fuck i have Every bit of self-esteem that I have, I've had to earn, and it's tenuous. You know, it's not... How I, have you earned it? I, just from doing a lot of work. I mean, being... What does that mean, though? I, like, doing... I, I like to know how to earn self-esteem because I myself am bankrupt. Are you? How would, how Are would you, you earn like it? You seem like you have such good self-esteem. That's very sweet of you to say. How Maybe would I earn some more? Well doing esteemable acts I guess so me not like doing things that undermine myself which getting sober or not having bad idea sex is that what you mean um, or just what give me an example being the other woman right so I have this this MO of like I've been the other woman many times it's how many times I don't know Give me a ballpark figure, order of magnitude. It one, just depends 10, what 20. level of like other women sleeping with them, yeah, flirting sleeping. with them. Let's say sleeping with them. Okay. So probably no more than a dozen of like, and only one married guy. One, one other than the married guy where it was acceptable. We were in the marriage, yeah. Right. Who was the married guy? Oh, I loved him. Um, That was, that was the reason I left LA for three years. <laughs> where did you go? 
around the world. <laughs> and why did you? That was why I went originally to a farm. I left LA and and just like someone gifted me Burning Man ticket. It was nuts. It was, that was another crazy story. If you're story. going to Burning Man for emotional stability. No, no, no. That I was leaving LA because LA felt like a prison because I had fallen in love with this man against my better judgment. And against my own even desire. Like I was like, no, 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 no. And then I kind of just What like, was in. it about him? Did he have know. an extensive gun collection? No, you know what? He just saw right through. Well, yes, but he just saw right through me. <laughs> I, that wasn't why, though. But he was, again, very stable, like a good provider. <laughs> Has some guns. Okay. How long, David were, how, long dying were, how long were you together? And how transparent yeah. I am. No, no. How long were you together? Um, I, not that long. I got out. I was. I. I. Once I realized that he was never going to love you the way he loved his wife. No, I didn't want him to. I didn't want him to leave his family for me. That's. And then what? And it's like I. I can. I have the ability to. I didn't release. say leave his family. I said love you the way he loved his wife. I think Those he loves me more thing. than he loves his wife. That's what mistresses are for. That's what they used to be for. At least for love. Yeah, there, back in the day, it used to be marry your wife because it was a business transaction and love your mistress. That's how it was for a Could very... Could you once again justifying today's actions with yesterday's principles? No, I'm just saying that that is the way that that dynamic often okay. occurred. Okay, so... And historically. Yes, and now, not so much. Especially, I think it's probable. Maybe Did he marry his woman to... To join the Iberian Peninsula? No, but she did have a lot of money and she has a name in Hollywood and now he's running her her father's production company. So there was a business element to it. Okay. So maybe it was like a Ferdinand and Isabella (laughs) for today. So back to your your childhood. How did you get out of that? Out of what? My childhood? How did you leave your family? Yeah, but you grew up and then how did you escape? Um, I left when I was, well, I moved in with my dad. My dad wasn't, um, my dad wasn't really around. And so my brother and I really just lived in our own place for So your brother school. had done this too? My brother left too, yeah. My brother left way earlier than me. He was yeah, he, smart. Well, he was younger than you, then yes, he must have He was have a year and a half younger than me. But he okay. left, he was like, I'm out of here. And he went and lived with my dad. And then I kind of followed suit a year and a half later. But I was very connected to my mom and felt very protective of her, as all of, we all did. And it's the kind of classic Stockholm syndrome where you're protecting the people that are, are um, I guess it's like an abusive situation. So you, uh, we wouldn't tell, we didn't tell anybody about what was going on inside the house. It was just like the refrain in our household was like, every family's like this, every family's like this, every family's like this. When did you realize that wasn't the case? When we got into our 20s and people started telling stories about what it was like for them to grow up and we would start telling ours and it would just be met with everyone staring at us like, What was one story that made people stare? Um, Like the one time when my little sister, who was probably six, I might cry telling this story. It still bothers me. Um, Yeah. Uh, She like she was so young she was like six and um they thought she had taken a rose off the like rose bush in the front of the house my stepdad did and like didn't believe her even though she was saying that she didn't they just said that she was a liar and then like 
he ripped the rose bush out of the ground and threw it on her on her bed like in front of all of us and she had like scratches ever it was just like horrible and was she on the bed when he did that yeah he just like whipped it at her and, and she's cut up by all these thorns yeah and it was just horrible how like, old were you um i guess i was probably 13 yeah we had just moved we had just i mean mind you this was on the heels of our parents getting divorced our mom getting remarried my mom was pregnant she had a miscarriage thank god because that kid would be the fucking demon child with my stepdad and then so this is his way of introducing himself to your family (laughs) yeah no the way he introduced himself to me was in the car on the way to minnesota when we first God, I never tell these stories. When he started, um, he we were driving away from everything we knew and loved. And my dad comes from a really big family. We were really close. Like he's one of ten. We have twenty six cousins. We all grew up together. It was the only stable part of my my summers were pretty like idyllic New England. And that was relatively stable other than the rampant alcoholism on that side of the family. For New England, that is stability. It's normal. It's normal compared to all the other shit. And so we were driving away and he was like, I don't even remember what I said to piss him off, but we were driving and he was like, Bridget, you're nothing but a cold, heartless bitch. And I'm 12. And everyone in the car gets quiet and we're kind of looking at my mom like, are you going to say anything, mom? And she didn't. She just sat there and like looked straight ahead. And I remember that moment so clearly because I knew I was fucked. (laughs) I was like, I'm going. It felt like I was being driven to prison. And it was like that. We were isolated. It was like divide and conquer. And we were cut off from my dad was like taken to the cleaners. So the first um fuck it was the saddest christmas like we had this christmas in the mall of america we were, and there's pictures of us all just like eating mcdonald's on a hotel bed <laughs> so your dad came to minnesota yeah so. but nor you know after that we kind of it was like we were flying like in the middle of like it was just like christmas eve at home and then christmas day flying back east or whatever um a lot of like split holidays and then um so i got out by moving in with my dad and then I moved back east and my mom was like I need you and my stepdad was kind of like going through another meltdown so I decided not to go to UNH which is where I really wanted to go and I went to St. Thomas University in St. Paul which was like the worst fucking idea ever because I wanted to get out of Minnesota I hated it and I thought I could save my parents' marriage. Like I just, uh, I had been so entrenched. We knew everything growing up. We knew about the finances. We knew, we were my mom's best friends. So it wasn't like. And that's not a good role for a teenager because you learn too much. Well, and it's very unstable. You don't want to know that your your parents yeah. have financial troubles because what can you do about it? Go work at fucking McDonald's and like bring home $5. And I don't want to know about their sex like all of it I she was telling you about their sex life yeah we just knew everything we she talked to us like she talked to her, her friends and it's like too much information we just didn't need it and we got away with murder because we would manipulate the fuck out of them because we knew that they were like they were just so consumed with each other. I, they couldn't, I mean, they were so co- codependent. I w- I'd be like, hey, can you drive me to soccer? No, because Chris can't come or whatever. Like it was. There was no room for you. 
Well, there was like they couldn't even go get milk without both of them going to get it together. Which is um, probably why that was such a button later when you were left out of the family dynamic. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a button. Quick question. Have you ever been to prison? No. Jail? No, no jail. It's like, knock on wood, it is like a miracle, actually. I I should have been locked up abroad. I should have been... Did you smuggle drugs? No, but I did a lot of drugs in countries where you shouldn't do drugs. That would be any country, not America. Yeah. Um, And even in, like, when I was... When I first started using heroin, I was dating this guy. Um, I think legally I can only tell parts of the story, but because whatever. He was a child star and whatever. So he, he was acting out on the plane and we were met in L.A. by the LAPD. And he had a because he was just acting up on the plane and he had a suitcase filled with drugs, heroin, everything, heroin, coke, every pill imaginable. And we met this kid on the plane who is getting out of rehab. I mean, imagine the test, this poor fucking kid. I think about this kid all the time. And my boyfriend at the time was like, hey, can you take this suitcase and meet us in baggage claim? Did he say what was in it? Because we're going to get met by the cops. Did he say what was in it? Um, I think the kid knew because he was acting like a maniac and the kid did it and met us. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. He met you? Was he promised money? No, nothing. Was it that he recognized your boyfriend, the no. child star? Uh-uh. No. He just did it because... I have no idea why. I mean, that's like the ultimate. You just get out of rehab and you're flying back home and someone gives you a suitcase full of drugs. Yeah, and he not only did he take the the drugs off the plane to his own risk. If I were going to take the suitcase, was I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't give it to you. No, I would have just taken it. I'd walk away. Yeah, if yeah. I'm incurring the risk. He had I to want the wait reward. for like an hour while we were processed by the LAPD and like talked to, and they looked at me and they're like, "What are you doing with this asshole?" And I was like, "I don't fucking know." I, and that was the start of the week of. I mean, I the every time I'm here at the comedy store, I see that look at that Best Western. I'm like, almost so deed in that fucking stairwell when I was like 19 years old. This would be a great Zagat's guide. <laughs> oh, I could give the best Bridget Hollywood tour. Oh, and here at Bar Marmont is where Bridget's boyfriend revealed he was cheating on her. So she took all the blow, walked down the street while it was pouring rain. Some angel cab driver picked me up, then brought me to the Best Western where I then locked the door and pretended to kill myself, except instead I did all the cocaine. And then he came home and trashed the hotel room. How do you pretend to kill yourself? I just was fake. It was like a false suicide. Now, it. it was like a superficial. Like I had oh, the okay. razor and like, that's why I got thrown in the psych ward when I first went into rehab instead of like an actual treatment center. Okay. I'll never make that mistake again. If I'm going to fake kill myself, I'm not going to leave any trace. Going to go for it. <laughs> yeah. So... Bridget, you've taken us on a fascinating <laughs> journey. Like, I feel like some of it is explainable and some of it isn't. And it's just really very interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, overall, did you talk about any of the child star stuff with your Playboy column? We started in the Playboy column and then we we went far yeah, afield. It has been quite a journey. It um, really has. So I left. I moved to L.A. That's how I left. I put I 
packed up my car when I was 19 and then I moved out here, which was a shit show. Mind you, I've had no real parental guidance since I was 12 at this point. I lived in the valley in this fucking Melrose Place like ghetto, but it was like worse. There's a late, it was, I did blow with these B porn stars every single night. I worked in a bike shop, never did sold a bike. Did you ever think bike. about doing porn? No, that was the one thing I promised my dad I'd never do. And Which I, dad? Stepdad or My real dad. Real dad. Okay. My dad's, nor, like, we're pretty close. And he's always been, even though he wasn't really there and I had issues with him when I was younger, many of those kind of implanted by just being around my mom. Um, we have a very stable and healthy relationship where we communicate very openly. I don't know how stoked he is about my Playboy column, but... Honestly, Bridget, that should be the thing he's proudest of. (laughs) My column should just be, well, at least I'm not doing porn, Dad. (laughs) It should just be the title of it. Of all these stories, I think your dad would be like, oh, she's writing for something? (laughs) That's going to be where he gets upset? I think, honestly, Bridget... Yeah, if he starts to give you attitude, you just point out you were in fucking Minnesota loading up on scars. Yeah. It's his fault. Remember that phrase, it's your fault. Every parent, that's going to stoke their sense of guilt. No, I made whether, bad decisions. Whether or not it is, the point is that you manipulate him. So you wanted to know how to get self-esteem. I guess just like, I don't know that I even have that much. I have more than I had. I Good. still date you know, guys that I probably shouldn't date. But well, it's, from what I hear, young guys with big dicks or old guys with soft ones. At least it's conscious. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm fucked up. I'm fucked up. I'm a comic. I'm in LA. I'm, you know, narcissistic and I am come from dysfunction. So I don't know. Well, don't, then that's the perfect time to plug your show. Are you performing anywhere? What can we I plug? I am. Let's Tomorrow? Plug. Um, uh, Tomorrow this to... won't be on. No, no, no. Oh, oh you're right. Yeah. You're right. Tomorrow will be yesterday. Sunday. Why don't we plug something in the future? <laughs> Sunday's the future, but it'll be too late. It'll all be right. The present. How about. Yeah. Well, first of all, your column. It's in playboy.com. It's called. Just the tips. Just the tips. Uh-huh. Um, this should follow... show you how not sexually related I am. I keep thinking about that Ethiopian dish. <laughs> you know, I'm like, God, just tips. That sounds real. Try tip. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's not the way I think. So just the tips, Bridget Fetacy. And then I have... What's the next column going to be about? Do you know? Bald men. Really? Mm-hmm. What is your take I, on them? I am attracted to bald men. And so I want to interview women who are attracted to bald men. And I've been interviewing all week men about when they went bald and what that experience was like for them. And Wonderful. It's actually was, really interesting. When I was four years old, four... My aunt, my great aunt, leaned down, felt my hair and said, oh, this is going away. That's not dramatizing. No, no, it wasn't. When I was five, my mom started telling me about her friend who dated a doctor, Joe Wren. Her friend Sally married Joe Wren. She said, David, Joe Wren was as bald as an egg, but Sally loved him because he was a doctor. And I didn't understand any of that. I'm like, what are you talking about? We got a pro athlete, first of all, and second (laughs) of all, bald. So it was very clear. It was foreordained. Oh, but do you like it? I'm doing better now than I ever was. I never had good hair. Oh, okay. At some point, you just shave your head and say, yeah, that's a, that's like, so I put a call out for men to email me and I got it's like 30 also, emails. There are two classes of bald men, tall and short. 
Never has there been more of a difference between tall men and short men than in the bald community. Interesting. Short and bald is just a radiation survivor. It's really sad. (laughs) It doesn't work. Because also people looking at the top of your bald head. If you're tall and bald, what are you? Your father issues personified. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, I never really noticed a difference, actually. I did better after I lost my hair. Oh, okay. That's what that seems to be. The the theme they say that that once they lost their hair and kind of fully embraced it, that they did much better. I also have a theory because I have a couple of bald uncles. If you do well financially, you don't really care about putting hair on your head. It's right. Baldness is a it's a it sort of reveals a lot about you. Yeah. You know, yep. so to speak. Yeah. You have to wear a lot of hats because skin cancer is an issue. Yeah. And you're attracted to bald. When did you start getting attracted to bald men? Uh, I always kind of have been. I just, I don't Ever know. Ever since you had father issues? Is your dad bald? No. My dad is a great head of hair. Good for him. Yeah. That's, I'm jealous that's of him. That's where I get my hair, I think. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. I have, Um, I do have... I'm doing the whole, the 24th and 25th of June, I'm doing um, Jeff Garland's doing four shows, okay. the eight and 10, eight Where? and 10 at Flappers in Burbank. Okay. And, and you're um, going to be opening for that. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're opening for Jeff Garland, the 24th and 25th, mm-hmm. early and late show. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. What is your Twitter handle? What's your, give at, me your social media. Um. Twitter's the best. Just at Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T, and then Phetasy, P-H-E-T-A-S-Y. Okay. And that's where you can find me. So tweet at Bridget. And yeah. uh, I feel like we've learned a lot about you, a lot, and a little about me. <laughs> Maybe too much. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is very you. interesting, Bridget. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. That was Bridget Phetasy. My Twitter handle is at this David Taylor. I'm David Taylor, and this has been Until I Lose Interest.